What if you decided today to stop making ordinary and merely good choices, but you determined on a moment-by-moment basis to make godly choices, to make choices that glorified God at every juncture of your life. Well, did you know that the choices you make today will determine your destiny tomorrow? You see, the world and God value different things as their definition of great. And because the world has a different definition of the word great, your life should agree with God's definition of the word great. Godliness equals greatness. This is Carol McLeod. Welcome to A Jolt of Joy on the Charisma Podcast Network. Greatness is one of the most misunderstood words in the church today, and in the family, and in society. We look at rich people and mistakenly believe they are great. They might be, but it's not their wealth that determines their greatness. We look at the beautiful and talented and mistakenly assume that they are great. They might be, but it's not their good looks or athletic or musical abilities that determine their greatness. We look at politicians and wonder if they could define the word greatness if they even had a dictionary in their hand. We wrongly believe that if we are pedigreed by academic achievements or by a certain family name or by titles of beauty, that it guarantees a life of greatness. Have I got news for you today? What the world deems as ordinary, God says is great. Greatness is always defined as the godliest choice you can make. Men and women have it in their hearts and in their actions and in their words. They have the ability to make a profound difference in society, in church, and in the home. How do they make this difference? It's simply by making great choices every day, by speaking great words, by accomplishing great acts of kindness by choosing the daily disciplines of greatness. Some of these ways might be simple, yet when you choose the greatest option available, that will determine your personal destiny. Now, I'm not talking about a do-good, self-help way of doing life. I'm talking about godliness. Godliness equals greatness. I grew up in the late 60s and early 70s, and there was a popular song on the radio by a singer by the name of Helen Reddy. You might remember the song, I am woman, hear me roar. That's not greatness. I'm not talking about position in the boardroom or in the courts or in our government or even on a battlefield. I'm not talking about having a great position on the stage and making a place for yourself. It's about taking a godly principle, believing that it is true, and changing the world with his power based upon his principles. Jesus warned us about this. Jesus warned us about mistakenly thinking that pretense equals greatness, that roaring equals greatness, that showiness equals greatness. And how about this one? Even that religion equals greatness. It doesn't. 
Turn with me in your Bibles today to Mark chapter 12, and we're going to read verses 38 through 40. In his teaching, Jesus was saying, beware of the scribes, the important people, who like to walk around in long robes and like respectful greetings in the marketplaces and chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets, who devour widows' houses and for appearance's sake offer long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. Jesus is saying, beware of people who think they are great. I believe that greatness from the world's perspective equals pretense to God. And God often condemns what the world values as great. In these scriptures, Jesus was looking at the scribes who wore long linen robes, white robes with a mantle that reached to their feet with long fringe. Only men of distinction were allowed to wear white. They left the colors for the parade of lowly people to watch. And the words of the scribes at this time in church history were considered to bypass even the words of God. When a scribe passed by, everyone must rise in the marketplace at a social event or in the temple. Scribes were always given seats of honor. Even if they were invited to a banquet at which you were being honored, they would demand a seat of honor in front of your parents or children. In the synagogues, everyone else faced forward, faced the Torah, but a scribe sat with his back to it so that the people faced him. You know, before we're we are too hard on this ancient society. Our society is much the same, aren't we? We allow people of importance to speak into our lives and do not honor the word of God. What politicians say, what performers say, we take more seriously. What psychologists say, we take more seriously than we do the word of God. We bow to things and people and ideas to which we should never bow. We let other things, people, and ideas obscure our view of righteousness. My friends, we are not of this world, and what the world defines as great should hold no impact for us. Today, I'm going to speak to you about a woman in the New Testament, a woman who had learned the secret, what it means to be truly great. Now, the story that we're going to study today follows right on the heels. It's the exact next verse concerning Jesus' warning about what is truly important in life. Jesus said to beware of scribes, of important people, as defined by the world, who devour widows' houses. Mark 12, 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury and many rich people were putting in large sums. Jesus had spent the day teaching and he was probably resting there watching the people come and go. Jesus loves to people watch. Did you know that? 
He loves to watch our lives. He's a great observer of people. And this particular day, he was sitting there intently looking at the people whom he loved so dearly, watching us the way we watch our children. Tradition tells us that the wealthy made a great show of giving. They dressed up in beautiful robes, robes made just for this specific occasion. They would dress in brilliant colors like peacocks strutting, impressed with their own self-importance. Their robes reeked of wealth and position. Along the edge were gold tassels. And these rich people had their servants carry in their money in expensive coffers made of gold and silver and encrusted with jewels. These wealthy Men and women would would have their servants lift high these expensive coffers over their heads for all to see. It was truly a parade of pretentious peacocks. Can you imagine the sound as they poured in their coins of gold? The containers that they poured their coins into were made of metal. They were actually 13 trumpet-shaped receptacles. And into those receptacles, the servants of the wealthy poured in the coins, crashing, clanging, echoing, making a great noise, echoing through the cavernous halls of the temple. And they stood there pompously giving, filled with pretense at their own importance, at the noise they made, the roar of pride. I am important. Hear me roar. And there sat Jesus quietly observing, not impressed at all, perhaps even saddened. This story took place about a week before Passover, when the temple was crowded with what I like to call Christmas and Easter Jews. People who attended the temple just for show, just for tradition's sake, just to make their mamas happy. It was the right thing to do. Mark chapter 12, verse 42. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. On the other hand, the poor came in quietly, without show, simply, almost ashamedly, and certainly humbly. This particular widow dropped in two little copper coins, ping, ping. There was no echo, no clash, no clang, no roar, just ping, ping. No colorful robes, just burlap. No tassels, just the well-worn garments of a widow. No servants carrying the gift in containers, just the widow's sweaty hand. It reminds me of 1 Samuel sixteen seven, that says, Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Verse 43 Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. Jesus used this moment as a teaching moment, a coaching moment, a time of discipleship. And he told his disciples, This widow put in more than everyone else all together. I wonder what the disciples' inner response was. I wonder if Doubting Thomas said, this is hard to believe, Jesus. It's hard to believe that you're telling me she put in more than everybody else. 
I wonder if Luke, the physician said, Jesus, you must be really tired. What she put in doesn't compare to what the wealthy put in. I wonder if Matthew, the tax collector said, he never could count. Jesus can't count. You know, to me, it's significant that she put in two small coins because she could have kept one for herself, but she gave everything she had to Jesus. You'll read different opinions on what these two coins were worth, but the agreement is there. It wasn't worth a whole lot. Probably each coin was worth about an eighth of a cent. Mark 12, 44 the words of Jesus, for they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. One of the secrets of greatness that we must take as a daily discipline is giving all that we have and all that we are to Jesus. you for joining me today on A Jolt of Joy. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd like to encourage you to visit my website at www.justjoyministries.com. It is my passion to help people live an abundant life through the power and principles found only in the Word of God. You can contact me at carol at justjoyministries.com. And as always, know that I am praying for you today.